0: once again, we caution you, these stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now.
1: Freelance editors offer a variety of editorial services, um, content or substantive editing, developmental editing. Editors can offer anything from marketability assessments to mentoring uh services, um, manuscript critiques, evaluations, and sometimes they offer writing services as well um, so that could branch off into co-authoring, ghostwriting, um, and you know rewriting, heavy rewriting. It's important to note that different editors defined all of these terms pretty differently. Actually I was talking about this um, recently about this idea of vocabulary in the industry and how it can be pretty frustrating when there are so many definitions for the same word. Um, so unfortunately, that's just the reality of how it is. Um, so I always tell authors to do your research. If you know what type of editing you're looking for, make sure you do your research and and figure out if the editor you're interested in um, defines that service the same way because it, it could really vary.
2: Material Podcast. I'm Tom Cornell, And I'm Lingley West. Episode 193, buddy. Hey, we're uh, getting there. Dude,
0: I know. It I like know, a- we're getting there.
2: <laughs> um, today, we have a guest. Yes, we do. And I'm really stoked about this. Yeah. This is something we've been, someone we've been wanting to get on for a really long time. Um, she's a former Dark Horse editor, works for Lion Forge Comics now. Uh, uh, her work has covered ar- archival, I'm going to read this, archival <laughs> editions and art books as well as ongoing limited series. Series. She did the archive editions of Eerie and Creepy. She did Emily uh, the Strange. She edited a bunch of Steve Niles' Criminal Macabre. And she's totally awesome. So please welcome... Shawna Gore, Yay! Hi guys, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. What a treat, I love it. You were one of those names that hit the list pretty quick for me, Mm -hmm. because you do something that a lot of people know exists, but they don't know the intricacies of what they do, and that is editing. Yeah. You've been doing that a long time. Yeah, I
3: have, boy. uh, I'm trying to think. I think this year is 15 years as an editor.
4: Nice.
3: Um, yeah, 20 years in comics last year, officially. Um, yeah, and I yeah I got my start doing publicity and marketing stuff for Dark Horse, but um, I wanted to move into editorial pretty quickly. I saw, saw what it was and how I wanted to be involved in comics, um, but it, it took me a while to move over. Um, but, yeah, so I've been editing now for about... 15 years, and I, I don't know if people do know it exists because people look at me like I'm a lunatic when I tell them what I do for a living.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a guy tell me once that the, the good editor is the one whose hands you don't see.
3: Yeah, I that is my approach. Um, it's certainly not ubiquitous in comics editing, I can say. Um, yeah, I really feel like my job is, you know, the spotlight should never be on the editor, um, in terms of the the material that's published, you should never be able to see an editor's work. Um, and the very you know, one of my favorite things to do, one of my go-to editing tools, is just questions to my creators. Like I'm getting this from reading this. Is that what you wanted me to feel? Huh. Or did you want this to look like this, or were you going for something else? And a lot of times, if you stop and ask an editor or a creator a question, They'll see what it is you're getting at, and you don't have to, you know, tell them, you should write it this way, or you need to do it this way.
2: Or God uh, God forbid, right. line edit, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that happens sometimes. You know, a, a lot of comics writers write a lot of shit. Like, they write, you know, book after book after book, and they're just plowing through scripts sometimes. And, you know, sometimes they need help. Everybody needs help as a writer. Um, So, yeah, so that happens. But I try really hard not to, you know, not to make my voice any part of what gets published. You know, a lot of, I was talking with an editor friend of mine at Lion Forge, and we use the same kind of example when we're talking about sending somebody corrections or edits. And a lot of times, you know, I'll write, maybe if you said something like and then in quotes and it'll be the stupidest way you could say it like hey barney (laughs) let's go let's go get some drinks and it's like i know it's not going to come out like that i'm not suggesting they write that and that's why i said it in such a hammy way you know because i want i always want my creators to know that like i'm not saying do it this way i'm saying maybe you could try something
2: like oink you I know. call sure. I call all that the yada yada. It's the like they're talking and yada yada, and then we move on to this, and you know yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah
3: exactly. And there are ways to point people toward answers that do not involve telling them what you think the answer is. I
0: right. was talking to Tom yeah. about um, you know the word uh, the title editor is so very different from. The written world, you know, the literary world, yeah. to the world I come from, which is the film world, where in the film world, an editor has the opportunity to completely change
4: mm-hmm. the
0: the um, you know the final product, and and sometimes they do, um, mm-hmm. and uh, how different that is from. The written word, where you're trying to facilitate what the artist is trying to do.
3: For sure, yeah, um, and you can tell a good film editor's work in a second. You know, there are so many classic approaches to it. Um, yeah, and you can hand, well. a, you know, three different film editors the exact same batch of shots. Well
2: and look at look at Tarantino's editor who just passed. Right. So,
3: yeah, I was thinking of her exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think we all were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, and you know, you you can make a significant difference as an editor, but it usually involves getting the writer on board with your idea, you
1: know, or you know
3: wh- whoever it is, writer, artist. Um, and I at this point, you know, I'm I feel like I do have really good ideas to share with creators, but there's still that thing where even if I have a great idea for how something could affect a story, it's it you know my job is literally not to get my idea in the book. It's, if it can really shift it, if it can really make an impact for making the story a lot better, then I might push a little bit. But otherwise, you know, it's like, all right, this is your story.
2: Man, I have horror stories on all this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> i sure, sure. But I, I will say there's also a difference, though. You know, at Lion Forge right now, I'm editing company-owned material. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of like style guide stuff and character guidelines right. and a, a Bible for our superhero universe. That we do need people to work within those parameters, um, but you know, there's there's that like, yes, I need you guys to stick within these parameters when you write, but how you do that, you know, show me what you've got, and mm-hmm. maybe you to just have fun and run with it.
2: Yeah, because they may bring something to the table that you didn't expect. That's like, that's a great idea, and you, it's like, um, comics. They tag on a yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. adds to it, and it makes yeah. all it's for making the joke better. Um, yeah. I'm, where did you grow up?
3: Um, I grew up, I'm from California. I was born in L.A. in the early 70s. um, And then my parents moved us all to Northern California when I was eight.
2: So I had sort
3: of a slightly vagabond childhood. And then... Uh, yeah, so Northern California really was... Whereabouts
2: in Northern California? Uh, a town called Chico. I'm a Chico. <laughs> I grew up in <laughs> San Jose. Everybody knows Sunny Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah, yeah, I didn't
3: actually make it to Chico till I was about 15, but... um.
2: That's a good age. It is, yeah. I had to
3: go to I mean, because we had been living in really, you know, very remote rural farm communities, and my parents were fucking weirdos from L.A. in the 70s. Nice. And they moved to Northern California. We literally landed in the middle of orchards because that's where we broke down. Mm. And so, I mean, it was like someplace we never intended to be. Um, and my parents were total weirdos and did not have their act together at all. So, you know, by the time I finally made it to Chico, I was like, okay, I think these are my people.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and there's a, but there's a difference between, like... Counties in Chico, like the kids who are from there who are all mostly really cool, small town, creative, punk weirdos. Uh-huh. And the reputation Chico has as a party school city.
4: Right.
3: You know, and so that, those are all the very, usually very wealthy fraternity and sorority kids that come up from LA because they couldn't get into Berkeley or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah,
2: yeah. Berkeley is totally that, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. curious, yeah. Uh, did you have a horror host? Did on TV to, a oh, horror yeah. host
3: Yeah um well Sengooli some go. some iteration of him and I don't I think were there multiple Sengoolis in
1: different oh,
0: markets? Yeah Yeah they breed them like like Well <laughs> Yeah <laughs> so Sengooli started out in Chicago uh-huh. and, and then you had the son of Sengooli and uh and and for what I don't know why but for whatever reason Sengoolis seemed to Kind of rise above other people. He's like yeah. Gallagher 1 and 2 yeah, and 3. Yeah, exactly. It's like, funny, um, now you've got Svenguli West and you've got Svenguli um, East and you've got Svenguli uh, Midwest. Yeah. It's you, like rap battles. Yeah,
3: yeah, whichever one was in LA in the mid 70s. That was Sweet.
2: my friend. And yeah. Were you a bookie kid?
3: I was. Yeah, I mean, that's my whole thing with. Comics and all the weird stuff I read when I was little was I was just this voracious reader, and I would read cereal boxes and you know the new when I was like four, I was reading the newspaper and um my mom was a big reader, and she encouraged me a lot, and my dad was a comic fan, so that's where a lot of my comic stuff comes from. Um, so yeah, I would just read literally whatever I could get my hands on and um so I started reading my mom's Stephen King books when I was like eight you know <laughs> and, and my dad you know my my whole introduction to creepy and eerie um which is still one of like the sweetest points of my childhood i think um we used to live um my grandma used to live really close to the compton swap meet in southern california huh? and my dad would take us there and he was always like digging through the piles of penthouse and we and all you know like all the dirty magazines And so he would push my brothers and I over to this other corner of the magazine, you know,
0: whatever. Which sometimes were just as
4: dirty.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's where I saw, you know, like, Heavy Metal Magazine and all that stuff. But, you know, I was like five or six, and my brothers were a couple years older. So we would just come up with these armfuls of, like, creepy and eerie and Fangoria, you know, all that stuff. And my dad wouldn't even look. He would just be like, yeah, get it, whatever. Um, but, he would, <laughs> but he was also a fan of that stuff. So we would all go home and just pour through this just weird shit, you know. I'm
0: liking Dad a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. i, I got to yeah. say, man, like finding Warren Publications, uh, any of their stuff, um, as a kid in this little tiny town oh. w- was, the, was the best. Second was like, only to finding porn in the woods.
3: Totally. It was the same kind of experience, like mind bending, like, what is this happening in my brain? Yeah. Yeah. So I had, you know, I remember and I, but I also spent a lot of years in my childhood during my childhood being very scared all the
4: time,
3: very much expecting demons to come out of the closet and very much expecting hands to reach out from under the bed, like probably more than is normal for
2: a kid. On so I'm getting you're 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 kind of a, you were kind of a monster kid. You're a kid, yeah. A monster yeah. kid.
3: Yeah, I was and you know, and I was like a little sister to two very, you know, rowdy older brothers. And so there was a lot of like I had to defend myself and I had to and I also had to like try to play at their level. Mm. So part of it was, you know, I'm sure the big brother influence, but I just I've always loved creepy stuff and I've always liked to feel scared.
2: So, I, I read that you said that um while you love monsters, you don't like human monsters
3: i'm yeah, I am not a fan of you know most slasher movies. I don't really like human on human violence in entertainment um it's a i mean, I never had that big of a thing for it, but I you know like I love Halloween, the original Halloween is of course one of my favorite movies like that's it's a beautiful film um there's there's a lot more going on than somebody just killing for fun, you know? Mm -hmm. The
0: argument could be made that Michael Myers is not human. human. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Totally, yeah. Um, But then, I, you know, but I have an unfortunate, you know, very sad real-life experience where a friend of mine was murdered by a serial killer. Uh, Oh, no. Yeah, in the year 2000, and that, um, God, 99 or, oh, I think it was 1999,
2: and, um, yeah, and that real that will really change how you see things. Frankly. Sure, sure, you sure. Know? Well, it's the people that I've met in my life that, and I count myself among them, that have experienced real violence. Yeah, and then suddenly yeah. it's like, look, this isn't so titillating anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
3: and I can see it in you know, like it took me the movie American Psycho. Like, however you feel about it, mm-hmm. um, it came out right after my friend was murdered. Mm. And I couldn't even contemplate, you know, I couldn't look at it. I couldn't look at the fucking poster. It was all too much. And just, I think it was a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I finally saw it. And I had enough distance from that immediate trauma, you know, like 18 years later or whatever, to really like, okay, this mo- movie is funny and I see it for what it
0: is. Yeah. And you know, like it's I didn't. It's also uh, ambiguous enough that, you know, it's like, Is he really killing people? Is he not? You know, it's like. Yeah,
3: and I couldn't get close enough to it from the beginning to even explore that. Like, what's going on? I didn't even, I wanted nothing to do with it. Anything that seemed like men enjoying killing women was like, nope.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And and frankly, you know, that's a big part of, that's a standard I use for a lot of entertainment I see today. Mm -hmm. And. Um, and it's, it serves me fine, you know, I don't it's, judge other people for what they enjoy, right. but
2: certain things just do not fly with me. Hypothetically, if, if Lineforge came to you with a project that involved some of that, would you turn it down?
3: I would, and I feel like, um, I have actually turned down serial killer stories before I got, you know, there was this writer I was pretty friendly with who kept pitching me when I was at Dark Horse, and he had what he thought was a really original take on a serial, you know, a guy who kills women. And, boy, I had this conversation with him, like, three or four times, and I was like, eh, it's, no, I'm just not going to do it. Because it wasn't, for one thing, it wasn't anything unusual. It was, like, a plot twist that he thought was super clever. But when it comes down to entertainment just being about, you know, men enjoying killing women or men enjoying hurting women or men enjoying debasing, you know, that kind of shit, like, do better.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's an yes. easy, it's low-hanging ha- low fruit. Right.
3: It's and Frank, yeah, and I have to tell a lot of women the same thing, you know, like a lot of women who are into like crime or horror fiction repeat those same patterns and I'm like, have you just thought of stepping back and mm-hmm. looking at the story?
2: Well, it's it's typifying guys that the the ones who say like yeah, I really like the first half of American History X. Yeah, I think you missed the point. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's
2: yeah.
3: People say some weird things sometimes in relation to entertainment, and you know, it makes makes me question. Like,
2: what did you watch? What did you think you were seeing?
4: Right,
0: right.
2: Yeah. Clearly, we watched these different films. Shauna, yeah. Shana,
0: I want to ask you um, because you have um, worked on these uh, 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 reprints of the creepy and eerie books. Uh-huh. Um, do you have a favorite issue?
3: Oh, boy. Um, I have probably... Now, let me see. It's It's been a couple of years, probably, since I really sat down and looked at those. Um, but, you know, I have favorite stories, and I have favorite panels. It's really hard to beat, like, the first ten issues of
4: Creepy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, there are issues that come much later in the run that have some great, wonderful, weird shit. Like, you don't get Richard Corbin until later.
4: Right. You
3: don't, you don't get Bernie, Bernie Wrightson until mm-hmm. later. You don't get a lot of that stuff. Right. Um, but the initial stuff with, like, you know, Angelo Torres and Gene Colin and, yeah, like all of those, uh, Alex Toast, you know, like that. the legends.
0: That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Alex those man. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: like I, I remember when I was working on those, you know, we worked we did not have the original artwork uh at Dark Horse because obviously I mean, a lot of that stuff just went off into God knows where. Like that wasn't they were produced in the era when people actually destroyed original <laughs> comics pages instead of they weren't sold, they weren't saved, they weren't archived. Yeah. A lot of times they were just destroyed, like perfect. thrown away. Um uh, yeah. So um so when Dark Horse put those together, we just bought the best copies of the magazines we could find and we scanned from from the magazines and then just did a lot of production cleanup. Nice. Uh, yeah. And so it was really, you know, it was painstaking work for our production artist, um but god, I remember getting those and looking at the cleaned up scans and just I, I would leave my office and just walk around with the scans and show them to people. Like, do you see this?
2: Like, yeah, well, I couldn't see, imagine.
3: Gene colon, what he's doing with this face, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and I, that's always been my favorite part of working in comics is that are those moments when you're just, just knocked flat by the power of the art that you're
2: seeing. Sure. 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 Uh, there's a, Elektra assassin Sienkiewicz panel. Oh yeah. Uh, Electra bent over drawing the
0: sword that just stops you in your tracks.
2: Well, yeah. It's the rights and stuff in the Frankenstein book. Well, that's the you know? thing,
0: is that like, I didn't realize until many, many years later as an adult how influential all those panels were to me. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. and I realized that, like, all the artwork I'd been doing for y- years was based off of what I was mainlining as a kid. Through,
4: of
3: course. Yeah, those those images really stick with you. And I always have that feeling when I'm looking through old comics, like something I haven't looked at in, say, 10 or 15 years. And then you'll get to a panel and just be dumbstruck, like, oh, this is where this image came from. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Like, you'll, you'll have these images in your head that will repeat for you sometimes, or you'll just get this almost like a deja vu feeling when you see certain things. And then eventually you can go back and just, like, pinpoint, that's where I saw this cat illustration like um, I mean one of my all time favorite artists and also a dear friend of mine is Kelly Jones
4: mm,
0: yes.
3: the Kelly Jones Sandman issue about cats I don't know if you guys yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes I know
0: exactly what the you're talking about
3: dream of a thousand cats might be what it's called it's been again it's probably 15 years since I looked at that thing but that was one of the things I got my hands on as a teenager that was like what what is going on here with this storytelling and with this beautiful art that is like a little a little bit ugly here and there but really gorgeous um so yeah so uh, you know eventually i got to work with kelly at dark horse and you know he's he's really high on my list of people that i would just drop anything to work with again
2: if i could well to be fair the list of people you've worked with is Pretty it's pretty staggering. Good, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, as I was doing my research, I, I just kept going, really? 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 Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah,
3: but I, I mean, th- this is one of those things that will lead me to say, though, it really... I mean, I am lucky. I don't know how most of that happened, except by force of luck and being at the right place at the right time. And... Um, I don't know. Like
2: I think knowing your shit has a thing yeah, to do with absolutely. it too. Yeah, that,
3: that's a that's a part of it. But and it's also, you know, I think really connecting with each of those people as a human being first. Like that I think that that's what led me like I had a beautiful friendship with Bernie Wrightson. Mm. Um and the same with Gene Colon. Like those those two guys became very, very dear friends to me and they you know, we'd call each other out of the blue and just say, Hey, I love you, I'm thinking about you. Yeah. And and I think, you know, that came about because we really saw each other as human beings and both of those guys were really respectful, you know, of individuals and women in particular. Sure. And, you know, so they didn't carry, you know, their ego was not the first thing I met. The first thing I met was, in each case, was just a really nice dude.
2: And then they each happened to be just ridiculously skilled, right artists. right right, yeah, absolutely. I remember interviewing Wrightson at a he was at a county fair, and he kept uh-huh. stopping to go, "That's a good looking pig." <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
3: Bernie. That guy was just so sweet, and so I mean, he was in this way like like an innocent in the world, you know. Like he had he had like some of the brightest eyes for seeing the world, considering what what came out of him, you know.
4: Sure.
3: Like, but he really was just uh you know largely a sort of joyful person to be around, and so down to earth, you know, and just just easy to hang out with.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, and that's you know like it's it's different there are other artists out there even from his generation who are very different and all you see is ego and all you ever talk to and deal with is ego you know and you don't ever get to the person so um i just feel incredibly fortunate that i got to work i have been able to work with so many people who you know and they're like the whole package like a complete human being a wonderful artist all of that
2: you have a degree in English, correct? I do. Yep. <laughs> I sound like a lawyer. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm curious. There's an argument that I've been reading about online with people who are who are uh, academically trained, and then those that are just doing in the job doing it.
4: Yeah.
2: How how important was your degree to you and where you ended up?
3: Um, it it is and it isn't. Um. You know, I will say first of all that I, I had no idea what I was going to end up doing when I went to college. I was the, my my brother before me, my older brother went to college for like a year. I was the only kid in my family to go to college and my parents were rem- like not remotely academics, very much the opposite. Um, so, you know, I, I I sort of stumbled through college. I was smart. I loved school. I loved reading. And I knew I wanted to do something good, but, um, you know, I thought I was going to become a teacher, probably, or maybe an English professor. Um, So, yeah, so my intention, you know, I did not go to to college thinking, I'm going to be an editor. I just didn't know what the hell I was going to do. And my English degree does serve me, but, you know, it really is more the, you know, 45 years I've spent reading comics, that I (laughs) me more every day. But there's also that you know the thing that actually has i think made me a, a a decent editor at this point is um listening to the people I work with, like you don't go into you know I think i was thirty thirty maybe when i start when I started working with Bernie, and i didn't I didn't have anything to bring to the table. I felt like I'm talking to Bernie fucking Wrightson. And I'm editing these scripts that he's writing with Steve Niles at the time. And, you know, like I would I would do my academic thing and sort of proofread and do that. Um, but I learned from Bernie. Like yeah. during the experience, when I, when there was something he, they did storytelling-wise that I didn't agree with or that I didn't understand, we would just talk about it. You know, I didn't approach him like, I think you need to change this. I would just say, okay, I'm not sure why you're doing this in the present tense and this in the past tense we would just talk through it. Mm. And, um, and, you know, he actually taught me a lot about the importance of sort of sometimes letting go of rules and going with feeling instead. And then once you establish, like, whether or not the approach they're taking is technically correct, if it has the right feeling, what we were going for in this particular case was this immediacy of being right next to the character. And I wanted, like, the rest of the story was in past tense. And these weird captions that Bernie was throwing down were in present tense, so it was hard to read. But once we figured out how to do it, I could go back and academically edit it to fit. Uh But it was the kind of thing like puzzling it by myself with just an academic brain. I wasn't going to get there. So I had to talk to Bernie, you know, listen to him a lot. And then I saw what he was going for. And then we got the narration style we wanted. Um, And that sounds very boring, but it really was this interesting back and forth process where he was like, I want to do it this way. And I'm like, ah, but that's technically not correct. You know? Well, I think you're
2: you're talking to two people that are creatives. And so that all sounds really exciting. Yeah, exactly.
3: And honestly, I mean, and uh, that's when I learned that that was a really good point for me because, you know, you come in, I started editing, I think I was 20. Oh, no, I maybe just turned 30, 29 or 30. And I, I knew I didn't have the chops. You know, it's like I, I was smart. I had been working at a comic book company for five years at that point, and, and I knew the books and I had this, you know, this passionate relationship with the way stories are told and all these characters. Um, but I also knew that I had a lot to learn. And so that's one thing that I think makes a good editor or somebody who is open and looking for ways for the story to be different, rather than thinking that you always have to bring it yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Were were you ever? Um, did you ever get the bug where it's like I like I I want to be the the writer. I, I want to be the creator. I want to be the the artist. Like, do you write uh, like fiction as, as opposed to the editor?
3: Yeah. Um, so that's funny. I I have a couple of things that have been kicking around for a while, um, and and they're all like sort of emotionally difficult stories. Um, So it's really easy for me to not get my own work done because I'm an editor. So I can say, I'm I'm way too busy editing these five manuscripts and these two art books and all these things that I'm doing. Um, But yeah, I I have a very creative mind and I have a couple of stories I would really like to tell. Um, But but I'm not front-burnering them at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know if it's, not my time in terms of dealing with the subject matter or what. Um, but, yeah, I, all the time. I have one of my best friends is a film director, um, and she's made a short, like, an a online TV show, and she directs music videos. And so we have a couple of horror story scripts that are in progress. Um, but, you know, nothing that is leading me, right now. I'm, I'm very happy to have a full-time job. And it's, not,
0: it's not pulling you away from being an editor. It,
3: it's not, and it might someday. Like, I can see, especially one of these stories that I've just been, been debating whether or not it should be written as a novel. I really want it to be a graphic novel. Um, but, you know, now that I'm working for a really cool comics company and I'm sort of Back in that world a little bit more directly. I'm not a freelancer anymore. I can see, like, okay, maybe, maybe in a year, I can start working on my own graphic novel more and devote some time to it, and find time to it, you know, to, to do, to do it the way I want to do it.
0: It's hard to know, isn't it? it? Like the this idea that I have. Is it a movie? Is it a book? Is it a comic? Is it, you know, is it yeah. all of these things? Is it a game? You know, there's yeah. so many different ways for you to go.
3: Yeah, and I've. it's funny. When I was a freelancer, I would always get hired by those people, and it would be like, oh, my God, you don't know what you're writing. You don't know what this is. We don't know what this is either. Um, and it can take a long time to suss it out, and that's why I do think it's really good. You know, like I like the stories that I have a lot, so I have no problem letting them percolate. I'm not in a rush, and I think, you know, I do work on them actively, but sometimes it's every couple of months I'll pull up something and write a few more notes down. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. You know, maybe I'll be too lazy to ever finish my
2: own stuff. No, all things in their time, right? Yeah, totally. I'm not. I'm not too worried about I, it. I want to go back a second. You mentioned uh, Steve Niles. Yeah. And you edited a bunch of the Criminal Macabre stuff. mm Hmm. There's a guy who who is just a machine, right?
3: He is. Yeah, Steve. Uh, he he was exactly who I thought of earlier in the first segment when I mentioned people who are just writing you know like they're knocking out a script and then jumping into the next one you know there was a time I think Steve had something like six or seven monthly titles across different publishers mm-hmm. and um, yeah he's a machine and there, there are people out there who work like that um, and then there are other people out there who have ideas and then they probably I imagine them hovering over their typewriter with their fingers not touching the keys for like five days, you know, like staring, staring. When is it going to come? I have this idea. When's it going to come out? Right. So, yeah, people who work in comics are all across the spectrum of productivity. Yeah,
2: it's it's, it's just amazing. I mean, yeah. he, even even ideas, like I remember the old uh, Night of the Living Dead stuff that he did but back in yeah. the day, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. the Steve Bissett doing the covers and stuff. But. Yeah,
3: and Steve's, uh, I mean, he's funny because he'll, he'll just come up with a title.
4: Like,
3: that's the thing. Like, I remember talking to him, we did Freaks of the Heartland as a comic uh, series, and that was something he had originally done, I think, as a short, illustrated novella, sort Mm -hmm. of. Um, And, I mean, he wrote that because he thought of the name, Freaks of the Heartland, and... So he wrote that down, and then he started writing a story that matched the title.
0: Yeah, he's and, the, the Roger yeah. Corman of, of yeah. crows. prose. It's yeah. like it's like come up with the poster first; the movie will come. <laughs> <laughs> totally,
3: and you know what?
4: That's valid.
3: It works. Yeah, yeah. It could work like there is no one formula that works for making good art. I have a whole book of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. And sometimes it's goofy as hell. You yeah. know, you'll stay up a little too late on a Friday night. Like, and your who, poor spouse. spouse.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I walk up to my wife all the time. Okay, here's Old me. Man in the Sea Monster. <laughs> and she's like, get away from me. Oh, that's good, though. Oh, my God. Um, t- 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 I hear you're a fan of a book. I thought I was the only one that, that ever read it, and that's Mark Hempel's Gregory.
3: Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. That was one of my... Uh, God, I-, I feel like reading that book really contributed to me being the outcast that I was in high school <laughs> partly because I had this Gregory t-shirt that I stole from my big brother and I mean my big brother was is big he is like at the time I think he six 6'2 or 6'3 and you know almost 300 pounds big giant dude I am a tiny person and I stole his Gregory shirt from him when he was in college and I was still in
0: high school and it became and a dress. It was basically a dress. <laughs> and it was
3: re- I was already a total weirdo and it had and it was this weird cream colored T shirt with Gregory in his cell on yeah. the cover uh, on the front. And on the back, right where my butt was, there was a big drawing of Herman Verman, the yeah, rat. The rat.
2: Ra- for <laughs> those who don't know, the whole comic was about a boy in an, a, a rubber room. Yeah. and part. It,
3: yeah, and that was I mean, that was sort of that happened at the same time. I mean, that was done, done by Piranha Press,
2: mm-hmm.
4: right?
3: And that was at the same time there was, like, be- beautiful stories for ugly children yeah. and comics like that. And all of those hit me at exactly the right
0: time.
2: You I'm know, a, I, yeah. I'm a huge Lupre and Sweetman fan. Have you ever seen the book The Wasteland?
3: I don't think I've read it. I know about it, but I don't think I've ever read it. It's
2: amazing. It's like single-panel illustrations with, like, a punchline. Right. Yeah, all uh, like far side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Super dark, uh, but good stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Tell me about working with the HP Lovecraft Film Festival.
3: Um, I haven't done that for a while. That was um that was really part of something that I was trying to do at Dark Horse. Um, you know, for one thing, I'm based in Portland, and Portland is a very friendly and active. I, I sort of hate the word geek. Like a geek community, I just think of it like Portland is full of weirdos and weirdos who like art, weirdos who like music, weirdos who like movies and the the Lovecraft Film Festival was a thing that was held here for a number of years um, and it, I mean it was just tiny things you know, like a table set up in the lobby of a of a theater where they were also showing other movies and um you know, but they were showing some neat, weird stuff, and eventually, after it had been going for a couple of years, I just got in touch with a guy who runs it, and I got Dark Horse to sponsor it so that we could set up a table there and sort of participate in panels and stuff.
4: Mm, nice,
3: yeah it was I mean, it was fun it was it was really like I would hang out for a couple of days at this thing and we'd sell some books and do some panels on horror and entertainment or whatever. and it was great, and I got to watch a lot of fun movies. <laughs>
0: I'm going for the first time. Are uh, you really? Yeah. Uh, this, this coming October.
3: Is it the one in L.A.? or no, is there
0: the, the one in Portland.
3: Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, it's so funny. I've been so out of touch from what's happening with that the last couple of years because for a while, I think for a couple of years it moved to L.A., it wasn't happening in Portland. Well, they
0: they have... it's it's For the last few years, they've had two. They've got the one in Portland, and then they've got one in Long Beach.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I think the one in Portland went away a little bit, but then it came back. So, yes. um, yeah, like the original guy I knew who was involved with it, I think handed it off to somebody else. So, um, yeah. A- and the funny thing is, like, uh, I, as much as I love particularly horror movies or weird movies... Um, I hate being inside. So <laughs> are things that I normally do not do because I can't stand to be inside for more than like a couple hours at a time. So uh so it's hard for me. I'm you know, I'm not one of those people who like, I'm gonna stay in my house and watch Battlestar Galactica for two weeks. Like I can't <laughs> I'm sort of a I'm sort of an outdoors hippie person sometimes. So yeah, I have a really hard time. I'm like, I'm gonna spend dedicate this whole weekend to being inside watching movies.
0: Binging, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <and putting laughs> yeah. To me, that means drinking. Yeah. That's well, that's, yeah, I definitely
3: <laughs> like things in in smaller you know smaller increments. And yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I'm never a good person to ask about like what's the cool hot new thing because it it takes me a while to get around to seeing movies. You know, I have a five year old son, <laughs> yeah. so it's not like. Hey, that hot new movie is out. I want to go see it. I, here, take my kid. You know, it usually takes me a few weeks to get out to a movie that I want to see.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I swear to God, we watch so much uh, watching trailers and stuff. We we openly talk about it, like, yeah, that's a DVD. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I ain't
0: going to that. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, six seasons in, I'm like, hey, have you ever checked out this show, Game of Thrones? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Oh, man.
3: That's that was, really I, cool.
0: I, yeah, I was
3: two or three years late to Game of
0: Thrones yeah.
3: whenever, whenever I finally got to it. And it was fine, but, you know.
0: Haven't seen an episode. Uh, well, that's fine. Yeah. When the game is over, Tom, then you'll need to check it out. <laughs> I just want to go, who won? That's like... Yeah, That's. I I'm the same way with The Walking Dead. When the dead stop walking, then I'll start watching.
3: Yeah, I watched. I think I got through two seasons of Walking Dead and then I lost interest.
0: Oh, I it, hate watching
2: it. Like still to this day, <laughs> I sit with I sit with my remote and my finger on the fast forward button going. Ugh! <laughs> yeah,
3: it, again, that kind of it really takes something special for me to want to sit down and and watch it. You know,
2: it's a time. It's a time thing. I look at it like ten hours. Like that's all. That's
3: Yeah, yeah, and I just don't like being that, frankly. I mean, I like being more physically active than that. I don't like to sit on my butt for 10 straight. God, that would drive me nuts. So, yeah.
2: I look at 10 hours of storytelling and watch what I do here. I think, this person needs an editor. Yeah. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. True. And that, I mean, I think that that is one of the ways you see that a lot these days when people have all these different ways to put media out there, which is great. Mm -hmm. But there's also, you know, a lot of times they're also working unencumbered you might say right. by by the presence of an editor.
2: Well, look um, at the the yeah. Marvel stuff on Netflix. You you look at a 12 episode series and you go, we could have wrapped this up in 6. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, there's a lot of fat here.
3: Yeah, and I think those those shows particular seem to go for the like the soap opera drama stuff, which right. I get, but I don't know. I just I I I agree. And same with Walking Dead. Like I think you could just trim a lot of that fat out mm-hmm. and have a much more a much better story, a
2: much more enjoyable package. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. So having worked with Dark Horse, Lion Forge, you work with Image, IDW, Boom, Dynamite. Where yeah. do where do you look at comics now with the advent of like e comics and that kind of thing? Where do you see the comics industry at and where do you think it's gonna go? Do you think paper is dead?
4: I
3: you know, I I don't think paper is dead. I don't I don't think it ever will be. Um monthly Comics are really difficult because that particular format, you know, the floppy comic on either some kind of sometimes shiny paper, sometimes fancy paper, um, those are just freaking expensive. And it's almost impossible to earn money while you're doing monthly comics if you're printing color comics.
4: hmm you know
3: the, the the amount of comics you need to sell to pay for the printing, much less the creative work that goes into it. Um, it's it's just really difficult. You know most publishers who do monthly series and then collect everything into in a trade later will tell you that you know the comics themselves are almost like marketing for the trade. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like you're going ahead and throwing your money away when you're printing the monthly comics. And then you just hope that that counts as marketing once the trade is out. And that's where the, you know, the trades are where you make your money. Um, and, I th- you know, people like print. I think you, it's analogous to the music industry where, you know, vinyl is back. And everybody, yeah. almost everybody does a vinyl release of a new record these days. CDs are dead. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be some element of physical media. And especially, I think, when it comes to books and reading and well, art you know
2: i think i think what you're seeing is um like new stuff people are are gobbling it up electronically right yeah. but the stuff they love they're perfectly willing to pay $200 for the this nice you know book to Thing go up on their shelf. On the shelf. something yeah. that they love and they're not collecting you i don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of the guys that collect
0: everything there there know? there's there's a disposability to um electronic art yeah. that I don't see with, uh, with print art.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, it's, in a way I think of it, you know, co- online comics are awesome. Digital comics, anything you can get on Comixology, all that stuff is great, but it really does feel to me like that's comics as entertainment, where you download it, you read it, you move on. You know, it's like picking another show on Netflix. Like, let's try this one. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, But then there's also the print world where, you know, book publishers and comics publishers are creating these media artifacts that are just, you know, beautiful works of art. I'm looking, it's funny, I'm looking at Tom's avatar of Frankenstein right now, you know, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't work digitally, it's fine, it's nice to see Bernie's stuff online, but it's so different than holding it in your hand and getting to really pour over it, you know, like holding a piece of art that you can look at for 10 or 15 minutes without getting bored. Yeah. Uh, like, if, I mean, shit, you could look at Bernie stuff for three hours and not get bored. Mm-hmm. So there are things we need physical media to
2: enjoy. And um, I think it's just,
3: everybody has to sort of find their way through that and say, this is how much we'll invest in this. Well, I, feel
2: like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like with comic comicsology and that kind of thing, I'm not picking on them. You don't for, you don't, as a reader, you don't have any skin in the game. It's something that you can just you can consume. It's candy. It's candy plus. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It. You can consume it, and it's gone. There's, there's no. You're not going to. You're not going to see those folks like, uh, you know, cherishing. You know, issue number seventy nine of Creepy, like yeah. I do. Yeah, you know, where it's like this. Yeah. Is, this is this thing that I can hold in my hand is like one of the most important things from my. Uh, from my life you
3: know yeah yeah and I think but again I, I think it's fine and and I hope uh, I think this does happen is you know I think people look at comics on Comixology and they flip through and they find things they're interested in and maybe that will take them to the comic book shop to say hey I just discovered this you know this writer on Comixology what do you have
4: right. and
3: I think you know like in a perfect world there would be some balance of that.
2: Agreed absolutely yeah. I agree.
3: So tell
2: me about working with Lion Forge.
3: Um, well, Lion Forge is a really, it's an interesting company, and it's a really awesome company. I'm sort of in love with it right now. I've been there, uh, I started officially on April 9th, so it's been about, not quite six months. Um, it is a really outstanding group of people. Um, I think, uh, we've hired really intelligently. So, for instance, our editorial department is, um... My boss is a really cool woman named Andrea Colvin, who comes out of more mainstream book publishing, but she did kids graphic novels for Andrews McMeel. Um, so she's sort of like from the literary world of comics, which is really cool, actually. Um, and our editorial department is unlike any I've ever seen in comics. Uh, I can't remember we, if we have ten or eleven women, maybe eleven women, two men one non-binary person and everybody is just insanely talented, really intelligent and has almost a totally unique perspective on comics. So, as a company Lion Forge is trying to make comics quite literally for everybody. Like they see that the comics industry does have a place for everybody. Every kind of book, every kind of story, every kind of character, every kind of person. Um so that you know, so we're sort of leading with this mission of making sure that people are not left out of the comics experience. Um, but the people doing that work all happen to be really skilled comics editors, looking for books to bring on to this really interesting company to publish. Nice,
0: very cool. I'm yeah. loving all of that. I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to ask you about um, a, a title uh, from 2011. You edited Too Much Coffee Man Omnibus. Oh yeah. How how different is it to edit um something that is essentially comic strips
3: uh-huh. as
0: opposed to uh you know a narrative comic?
3: Uh it's it's entirely different because I mean uh depending on the way the work is done. So Shannon Wheeler, the the cartoonist behind Too Much Coffee Man, um he do, he does some work that is almost sequential like his He'll do one-page strips, but he'll do a series of them. So they, you know, So I think in, in that book in particular, um, I can't... Boy, that's another one I haven't looked at in a while, but some of the comics are grouped in chapters, and you can tell that there's like a through line. There's sort of like one joke running through all these one-panel one comics, or they'll play off of each other. Um, but then also, there might, be something, there might be comics that he did... Two or three years before that that fit into that same chapter you know so doing that i mean that book is i think it was almost 500 pages and so we're you know so i spent a lot of time in person with shannon just looking at the stuff laying all these comics out on the table and grouping them like trying to figure out how do we put a chapter together sure. and there were, there were the obvious ones that made sense like well this is a series of 10 single strips that all are on the same topic boom that's a chapter um, but then, you know, there's a lot of just sort of, like, standing back and looking at everything and saying, oh, actually, these two strips here go with this chapter if you really think about it. Um, so, I mean, that's all the really fun work. God, I wish I had time to do that kind of stuff all the time, that, like, sort of the higher concept editing when it comes to comics, because a lot of times it's just this, like, mad dash to get something through the printer. Um, but, yeah, those those are... Those kinds of things are also a joy to work on. I did um, a collection of Keith Knight's work. Do you guys know Keith? Yeah. Yeah, he did the K Chronicles. Yeah, Yeah, He's like a con con staple. Oh, yeah, and he's awesome. He's one of my, he's just, he's another one of those guys that I'm really fortunate that I got to work with. He's super talented and just a a good person. and so the collection of K-Comics that I did with him were really, really similar because, you know, he, that was a weekly strip that ran mostly in, like, alternative weekly newspapers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there, were, there was some continuity from week to week if there was something happening in the news. But a lot of the times there were just these sort of random one-off things that he would do. So we would, you know, we had to look at this 500-page spread in this book and figure out how the hell do you organize these comics? if the right way to do it isn't necessarily chronological.
4: Right.
3: Yeah, so there's, you know, it's just a different, you know, you sort of put on a different lens sometimes when you look at that kind of work.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, But you can also be super creative. I did another book with Shannon Wheeler where we uh, ripped off uh, the Maurice Sendak nutshell library, that little tiny hardcover set. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so we did a little uh, uh, he did these things called postage stamp funnies which ran in the onion I think 10 years ago or so um, so that was a fun one where there were these little teeny tiny one strip comics and we got to put them in this really amazing format because we could do almost anything and they were so small you know like so that that was a really fun one to get really creative with him on and say like what what can we do to make this one different and it's such a fun little package it's like Two inches by three inches, um, but there are three books in this little hardcover case. So, nice. yeah, nice, yeah,
4: nice,
2: nice. yeah. Different formats are fun. I want to go back to something you mentioned about yeah. You have a five year old. Yep. Um, I. I have kids. My kids are now, as you all know, are older and grown and that kind of thing. Yeah. But th- my kids very much grew up at cons. We brought uh-huh. them to cons not only as attendees but also as people who um, were selling stuff. Yeah. Um, and I found the one of the biggest challenges to working in whatever I was doing creatively is balancing that with... Um,
0: uh, the day-to-day stuff. The day-to-day, day-to-day grind yeah. of being
2: being a dad, Yeah, which yeah. I still don't... I can't believe that I got through that. <laughs> but I want to ask you about that. How do you approach it? Because um, I see on your Facebook page you're very, very involved with your boy's life. Yeah, yeah. As you should be, because he's... Of course. But re- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's
3: my child. Yeah. I, want to, I want to parent him. Yeah, um, yeah you know, it's hard one of the things that has helped facilitate that was I did work as a freelancer for the first almost five years of his life. Um, And so I was working the entire time during his infancy and his toddlerhood. But, you know, sometimes I would work three hours in the day when he was napping and then, you know, that's when I kept really crazy hours. And sometimes I would work from one to 4 a.m. and then get a few hours sleep and then, you know, So this, you know, especially I think when you're the mother and very physically in touch with an infant child all the time, like that was, you know, the first couple of years were just mind bending, frankly, you know, frankly, like I just was like, I hope we both survive this because this is hard. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I mean, one of the beautiful things I would say, right. So I, you know, so I got to, I got to take care of him. I got to be present and my work was structured in such a way that it allowed me to to work and to take care of my kid which i'm really grateful for but at the same time uh my career sort of disappeared and a lot of people you know when you're a freelance editor in particular your name is not associated with a publisher and that's just the lens people see editors through in comics so i had people you know sending me a note on facebook like boy what happened to you where'd you go you're a mother now i guess you stopped working you know uh, and that would piss me off
4: I so because that, yeah that i was yeah
3: i was gonna say that i was like working harder than i had ever worked in my life and doing tons of books like that's when i was doing books for boom and idw and doing you know and editing things for dynamite but Nobody saw my identity as an editor. They saw my identity as a mom. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you know, so, yeah. Do you find in that in that situation that you have to with the advent of social media and all this stuff that you kind of have to oh, I guess for lack of a better word, manufacture a personality. And it's like <laughs> yeah. here's here here's here's me, the character, Shauna Gore. Yeah. In addition to, you know, what I actually do
3: totally yeah i do feel like there is um i still like i love my work at lion forge but i don't always want i don't want my facebook feed to be entirely work promotion right
4: um
3: but i've always been proud of the work i do so it's it you know so it pops up and i'm i'm trying to do that more with lion forge because i actually really believe in the company's mission and you know i just love like i love all my coworkers so much i just want to like sort of hang out with them online more so um so I'm trying to do that a little bit more. And it does help because people are still like, where are you? Are you still at Dark Horse? And I'm like, where, <laughs> where have you been? You know? Yeah, right.
2: Um, I find it like a six to one ratio, like six normal things or things not about me. And then here's a one. Here's yeah, one right. of me chilling some bullshit that I'm doing.
3: Yeah, I think, yeah, that kind of thing is really good. You know, I've always been pretty, pretty forthright on personal media in terms of my life. Like I share my kid probably... Mm-hmm. More than I should. I'm your trying to My kid is
4: awesome. My, <laughs>
3: kid is my <laughs> kid's dad and he's funny and he says great stuff. I'm
2: such a huge fan of your kids. Oh thanks. <laughs> thanks.
3: Yeah, I am too. I like him a lot. Um the funnest thing about him you Tom, you asked earlier about like fitting the parenting thing in and Yeah, uh, yeah. So this was the first year, for instance, like he's five. I just took him to Rose City Comic Con, which was last weekend, and this is the first time he enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, he, nice.
3: Yeah, I, I took the last time I took him, he was three, and it was just all about melting down, and he freaked out when he saw Darth Vader, and he didn't yeah. want to talk to anybody. Right. And he, he was very three.
4: Yeah.
3: And um, all of my friends in the industry who were here in Portland were like, bring him, I want to meet him. But it was, it was miserable. I was like hauling around a bawling sack of potatoes. Sure,
4: <laughs> sure.
3: And, yeah. And so last year, I had a great time because I went by myself. Yeah. And then this year, like he's starting to read now, and right. he has his own like his one of his favorite things in the world is Scooby Doo, so we buy Scooby Doo comics, and like so he's getting into he has comics he wants to go buy. Well, I
4: tell
2: and, you, that's yeah That's cool. What's great for is like right now my son Justin just had a baby, and we're oh, do, yeah. I'm doing the granddad thing, Yeah. and I I get another crack at it.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I'm really yeah. stoked about it. Well, here's the thing is that you you now you get to pour whatever you want into the kid walk away. And, and walk away. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: That's the whole. You're to some candy and shit. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh,
0: yeah.
2: Oh, well, grandparents are the worst. No, I I can't wait. I'm gonna. I can't wait to hand her a stick and go right, it's like hit, that. hit that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious. Do you worry about your son and? As he start begins his adventure in the world of media, do you do you monitor what he encounters? And
3: I do, yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually we're really struggling with it right now because he is a five year old boy and he discovered guns Uh-oh. and I hate guns and I'm not a big fan, but I also get it, you know, like I. I was in the NRA when I was five. Like, my dad signed us up for, you know, shooting BB guns at targets. But, you know, I get it. And I don't want to make that big of a deal of it. Um, But I also, you know, I, I want to make sure that he knows that there are more kinds of entertainment besides Star Wars. Right. Sure. And that's the other thing. So, he's a little boy. and He really likes Star Wars right now. And that's fine. I grew up loving Star Wars. But Star Wars today is not what Star Wars was in 1977. Right. Right. And... So um so yeah you know for instance he was home sick from school on Friday he missed his his first like second week of kindergarten he had to miss a day cuz he woke up with with sniffles and i had to work all day so that kid watched netflix all day long which usually doesn't happen like i don't right. i don't want to be a couch potato you know i i made it clear how i feel about sitting on the couch all day i don't want my kid to do that either
4: right
3: um and I let him watch these things. You know, he wanted to watch some Lego stuff. That's
2: great. He wanted to I, watch some... I saw the photos of... Was it Iron Giant? Yeah. So ah.
3: I, So the other night, I fi- we finally sat down, and I've been wanting him to see the Iron Giant because that, you know, we talk about guns. We talk about why I don't like them. It's not that I don't appreciate them as objects or whatever, but, you know, violence is, is, is impactful in our society. I don't want to raise a little kid who thinks that guns don't have an impact on our culture, you know? Right. Um, so so it's just showing him different things. And, of course, he's five. He walked away from that movie. He really liked it. He was very sad at the ending when he, when everybody thought the giant was dead. But, you know, he's five, so the thing he keeps telling me about is, Mama, do you remember when the giant was a weapon? You know? Mm-hmm. And he, right. The part of the movie that makes everybody my age very... You know, hit you in the field of like, oh, this is this is an impactful story about what violence does. He's just like, yay, violence. <laughs>
0: so that's funny, you it's, know. It's funny because you you know you have as you try to exert as much control as you can over, and at the same time allowing them to be their own person. Yeah, it, you're never prepared for how it's going to turn out. My son. um you know, I've exposed him to all the things that I'm interested in and, 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 and that are part of my life, and I can see where the, it's all there, but he's, you know, swirled it into his own thing, and now he's, yep. you know, he's looking at becoming a cop, you know, and and, and it's just like, that's not what I, that's <laughs> not what I intended, <laughs> right? I'm not going to, you know, tell him no, but it's just yeah it's weird, but
3: that's, you know? that's a hard one. Yeah, my son is really into the police and cops and I'm like, "Oh, kid, let me tell you, like <laughs> that is problematic for me and a lot yeah. of for a lot of reasons." But so I mean, one of the things I try to do is rather than tell him he can't do something or can't watch something. I mean, I have every right to tell him he can't watch something as as his parent. Sure. He he really wants a Nerf gun right now because we went to a birthday party a few weeks ago that was like a Nerf gun crazy like there were like 30 guns and all the kids got them it's a big nerf battle fine it was a kid's birthday party but i've told them i'm not gonna buy him a nerf gun i told them we'll talk about it again it's eight yeah. and that's that is that's well within my rights. that totally makes sense
2: you know by the way whoever was having the nerf gun party the next birthday give him spin art <laughs>
3: yeah that's the, that's the thing like there's other like so, we're
2: you know, what I was
3: going to say is, is, like, what I like to do... So, you know, Elliot yesterday, again, you know, he wasn't feeling great, so I wanted him to, like, take it easy, sit on the couch. He got to pick a couple of things to watch, which were, like, loud, semi-violent children's, you know, like... He likes Transformers and stuff like that. Fine. But then after he watched a couple of those episodes, I said, let's find something else, and I sat down with him, and I... Uh, we went on Amazon Prime and watched Shaun the Sheep.
0: Yeah, um, Shaun which is, the Sheep is great.
3: It's so great! Like, and that's the kind of stuff I I just always like to remind him that there's more out there than fighting and superheroes. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not even a big superhero fan. Agreed. You know, when it comes to most iterations of that in culture today, um, it's fine. I like it, but uh, you know, I like some of it. But I love showing him stuff that's just goofy and silly because he's a little kid and little kids should laugh. There's a really great show on Netflix called Larva, uh-huh. and it's it's a Korean. I think it's an adapted Korean cartoon, but it's it's silent except for noises they make. And there are these two fat little slugs, these little larva, and it's like Mad Magazine on TV. They just burp and fart and slime, and they they're funny. You know, all the episodes are like or eight minutes long. You
0: just described my wife. I know. I love <laughs> loving this.
3: Yeah, it is. But it's funny stuff for a kid. It's exactly the no. kind of goofy, like, they pull tricks on each other. There's, you know, like, the slugs die sort of regularly in the course of the, like, they desiccate because they don't eat for a while or something. It's goofy. And so I try to just remind him, like, okay, you can watch one thing that you, that you pick, and then I'll sit down and watch something with him that I want him to see. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to do it. Is like well, I can tell you, help.
2: When, when my son was young, um, right around Elliot's age, um, he had that same interest in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they all had an interest in horror. And Kat still says that I fucked up my kid by taking him to Beetlejuice too early. But anyway. Ah. Um, <laughs> um, what we did a lot of was sitting with them. And yeah. then periodically like I'd lean, if I saw them getting a little antsy about something, I'd lean over and say, You know that's a rod puppet, right? And like it became a a way to explain the greater world of filmmaking. Right. Past, yeah.
0: past, past how, the how the stuff is what I,
2: past what I call the kicky punchy. I used to bring him to Hong Kong cinema all the time. Yeah. yeah. Because the plots were so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy, yeah. bad guy, they'll fight soon.
3: totally yeah and it's funny just yesterday for the first time he asked me how movies are made
2: there we go and i
3: love that i had shown him previously got you know like just because i'm a you know it's sort of a nerdy mom i showed him animation just by doing that little like let's draw a butterfly on the corners
4: of the the book yeah
3: yeah so i you know i had done that with him a while ago and I told him, this is what's happening when we're watching cartoons. Somebody has done this, but to a much more complicated degree. And then they film it, and then they edit it all together, and they make a cartoon. So I was just really excited when he asked me yesterday, how do they do that, Mama? How do they make a movie?
4: Nice. And That's when we, cool.
3: Yeah, when we've been playing lately like acting things out because I, for some reason, am the mom that will totally act out like transformer scenes for 20 minutes with my kid.
4: Yeah.
3: And, you know, he, so just a couple of days ago, he said, okay, in this movie, Mama, we're going to do this. Yeah. And he sort of directs me and I have to be the character as he is telling me how to how to act. I love that kind of stuff. I love giving him the reins. When he
2: starts shouting action and cut you're yeah you're on the way yeah he's i mean
3: i think every i mean i do think my kid is a special sunbeam and all that but kids in general i think if you pay attention to them and hear what they say yeah all kids are these bright little supernovas of desire and passion and things they want to try doing and curiosity you know so i think
2: it's the world that sort of irons it out of him. Yeah. It
3: does. And I think, you know, parents, unfortunately, like everybody is so damned overworked and there's so much going on. Like,
4: mm-hmm. again,
3: I feel like I've been really lucky getting to be in the house with my kid so much to see these moments with him when he is, when his little brain is lighting up so I can like go grab him and say, let's do something with that right now. You know?
2: Yeah, just awesome. Hey, so what are you working on now?
3: Um. So, uh, when I started at Lion Forge, I was handed... Uh, basically, a schedule of three monthly titles. Um, so I'm doing two of the books in our superhero universe. Uh, we are doing a we have a self-contained, independent superhero universe called the Catalyst Prime Universe. Um, so I'm editing the book Noble, which has I, you know the first leading man black superhero uh, in in American comics. Um, and I'm doing uh, a title called Excel, which is a really cool story about this uh, young Mexican-American kid named Daniel, who, uh, you know, it's it, he's the speedster of the, when you look at the power set that usually comes within any superhero universe, you know, you could compare him to The Flash or okay. something like that. Um, but that's a really, that series has a lot of heart, and is, it's much more about the kid himself, then the antics of his superhero self and there's some really interesting trippy sort of psychedelic stuff that happens to this kid when he when his powers come on so you know when i first saw these titles i was like okay superhero stuff i can do this um maybe not what i'm the most interested in but i've actually come to love both of these titles a lot um and just, the other one yeah. just for
2: the representation
3: well there I mean there's that and that's not a small thing like no, we, not at all. you know like this this not only so the book noble you know the leading man is this is this black man who is a former astronaut who has taken on these superpowers from this crazy sort of uh intergalactic event that happened. And, um, you know, you could sort of boil it down to a meteor hit, and people got powers. Mm -hmm. And so, this man received these superpowers. But, you know, the other notable thing about this character is he's married and a father. Mm -hmm. And so, a lot of, you know, a lot of the story, a lot of the real story of it is him trying to figure out what to do as a super powered man who's first and foremost is a husband and a father and he can't forget about his family now that he's you know black superman or whatever you would categorize him as in in his power set Mm
4: -hmm. but
3: um you know so there's a there's a lot of storytelling that happens that isn't just punching things and saving people from fires right um and i really like that challenge and i frankly i really like working with with creators who are representative of the characters they're writing. And that is, a, that's another one of those learning processes for me where as an editor, sometimes I sit back and listen instead of telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm really learning how to do this work.
4: Awesome.
2: awesome. How can people find you online?
3: Um I am on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. Uh I'm I think I'm under Shauna Bunny, all one word.
1: <laughs> or look me up
3: Shauna Gore is my name. I am technically on Twitter, but I hate Twitter. Agreed. Um so yeah, if you follow me there, I might say something once every two years. Awesome. Um, but that's another thing I'm trying to do for like for work is maybe I should just do work shit on Twitter. That would make sense.
4: Yeah, right. Um,
3: but yeah, but that's that's mostly. And you can find me. You can listen to this podcast. Here I am.
2: Yeah. Hey. Right. here. Well, thanks again for coming on. We're gonna we're gonna take a break and uh we'll be back in a second. <laughs> Okay.
0: Awesome. 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 We always say awesome. Yep. But yeah, fucking but, amazing. But, you know, I was talking about that to somebody earlier today. it was like, you know, I say this every week, but, but it doesn't make it less true. Mm-hmm. And I'm always excited. They're always good. I love talking to people uh, and hearing what they have to tell us about, you know, what their particular... Thing is, and, uh, and it's always it's always a good time. I to me, I look at all these people. Remember the old joke about five the five
2: blind guys just defining the elephant. Yes, you know, to exactly. To one that looks like a snake yeah. and whatever. Um, I always think like everyone we talk to, they've got a little piece of a puzzle that I need. Yes, and and for me, the best way to do that or to get those pieces is to by talking to people and have them explain like. I my books have been through an editing process, but I still don't understand. Don't what?
0: Yeah, don't know what.
4: Whatever yeah.
2: All I knew is they suggested some changes, and because of the deal that I have going, that I I can either reject or accept them. Right. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that there was any of that going on. But yeah, yeah. And and Sean was just awesome. I've known her for. We met her back in the Carpenters' days at San Diego. Sure. She was awesome. So uh, going on to second hour stuff, um, there's a ton of it. Uh, I'm kind of abbreviating it because we're doing, we're, we're recording the next episode a little early. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, this is going to impact some of that. But moving ahead. People who died. Uh, let's start with Claire Wineland. She was an activist recently online with Cystic Fibrosis. Right. Talking about how... how just because you have a this this di- a disease doesn't mean that it means that your life is over and that right. you can still lead a viable life. Yeah, and so she passed. Um, Gloria Jean, an actress in W.C. Fields, never give a sucker an even yeah, break. Yeah,
0: man, I saw that. Yeah, yeah
2: she's in her nineties. Yeah, so not unexpected, but you know, there you go. Um, Andre Blay, he was the founder of Magnetic Video, a 20th Century Fox's uh, video division's first CEO. Hmm. So this guy was... On the forefront m- of... Yeah, uh, home video. Home video, You can yeah. thank this guy. Uh, Lydia Clark Heston, wife of deceased now, Charlton Heston. Right. Uh, Marin Mazzi, she was an actress in Kiss Me Kate and Ragtime. Wow. Again, fairly old. Uh, Xenia Merton. She was an actress in Space Nineteen Ninety Nine and Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. This one surprised me. I was like, I didn't know this lady who this lady was or whatever. But as soon as I saw as that, she guys you see her, and I saw, saw the like, picture, I'm like, and you're like oh. Uh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um. And then uh, I'm gonna fuck this name up. Zoo, 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 zoo. Maybe he was an actor. He's in a... There's this Chinese film um, called King of Masks that if you haven't seen it, see it. It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. about a man, old man who makes masks who doesn't have any progeny and he finds a street kid and tries to like teach him the art of mask making. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of the most beautiful
0: films you'll ever see. He, he was the uh, main actor in it? The old man. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, Beverly Bentley... This is the weirdest thing I've ever put together. One, she acted in a movie that we all love called Chud. Yes. But she was also the wife of Norman Mailer. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't imagine her going, What are you working on? Or Ma- Mailer, what are you working on?
0: Well, I got this Chud thing. This cannibalistic humanoid underground <laughs> dweller movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: Moving on to news and stuff. This weekend is Son of Austrapalooza. Yeah. And I'm seeing
0: a lot of I'm people seeing, posting yeah, pictures already. I'm seeing Nick has, has been posting some stuff, and uh, yeah, it, it looks great. Nick. Gucker. Gucker. Yeah. Gee, I wish Nick had
2: come back on the show huh. sometime soon. Maybe yeah. like in November. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> remember, November, returning guest month. We have it all booked, and it's awesome. Yeah. We got some good got shit. some good stuff Those coming. Good stuff yep. coming. Uh, Jordan Peele is in talks to remake Candyman. Yeah. Because why? I I don't know that we was anyone again was anyone calling for this or does Jordan uh, Peele immediately get
0: anything horror
2: related now?
0: Uh, it seems like it. I, I you know I mean if you buy into this whole idea of remakes, sure, why not? I, my issue a competent filmmaker. My issue is that it just doesn't. You know. The first one's fine. Like why are we messing with it, you know? Well,
2: and number and where does he get this kind of juice based off of one film that while it landed well within the, the zeitgeist of culture, Ooh. it's it's it's, it's, it's like that,
0: you know, it's you like, you know, for whatever reason, somebody is the, you know, the flavor du jour at yeah. the time, and, and... But he's doing this, like, Twilight Zone reboot, he's got half a dozen other things going on. He's going to become the next Del Toro, and that <laughs> he's going to have, like, 20 different projects going, we might see one might of them. Might see one. Um, the Academies
2: has said they're postponing the most popular category. Good!
0: They should just stop it. That
2: sounds like walking it back to yeah. me. Yeah, maybe, we'll see. Um, the Hobbs and Shaw, this movie, this new rock Jason Statham Fast and the Furious spinoff, has started shooting, and I know you're excited about that. Oh yeah, um, this is very cool. I'm in line already. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I got my tickets. Uh, this is very cool. Steve Vai, guitar player for Frank Zappa, David Lee Roth, is mounting the quote Big Mama Jamathon. It's a huge uh, tour for different charities that I think, like G3, the thing he did with Satriani and whoever else, people will cycle in and out. Um, All proceeds go to foster care charity called Extraordinary Families. On the list so far, Dave Navarro, Al Miola Steve Morris of the Dixie Dregs Dweezil Zappa Jazz guitarist Lee Rittenauer, Moby And then Andy Vargas Um, He has a band called Soleros He used to be a guitar player for As I like to say Santana Santana And uh, For a guitar player
0: Yeah Yeah
2: This is pretty rad Yeah If you haven't seen any of that G3 stuff Holy shit. Dude, I... If you like people shredding, that's what yeah. that all that is. I,
0: I I have such a love-hate relationship with all that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like... I don't know. They're, they're, I love watching a really good guitar player. Uh-huh. And I hate watching a really good guitar player just masturbate. You know? Like uh, that that yeah. drives me nuts. It depends. It's, like, it's like... Look, I, I need a song. Give me a song, right? You're not gonna, you're not gonna wow me with your, you know. Your, but I think in the same way scales in I the don't care.
2: in the same way that you you are awed by a Neil Peart drum solo, they're the
0: same thing. I get it. I they're get the it. same thing in in rally.
2: Yeah. I always equate it to scatting. It's it's it fits within it's the like line
0: I of theory. It's like you know. It's like. <laughs> I love
4: Ingve.
2: Anyway <laughs> is so he's so bloated and and <laughs> Yeah. I I uh, I saw there's a video on YouTube I just saw where Ingbe takes you through his guitar his guitar arsenal is yes, what they call yes, it. Yes. And he just talks about it like, Oh, I had this guitar since I was fifteen and it's just shredded and yeah. anyway. I, I would go to this this thing in sure. a hot fucking minute. Mm-hmm. Um, the new Spider-Man game that everyone's talking about for the PS4 includes LGBTQ-friendly messages. There are pride flags flying throughout the city that Spider-Man's swinging through. They replicated um, certain landmarks of New York like the Stonewall Inn. Stonewall, sure. Very cool. And I hear the game is fucking rad. And I'm not a big game guy, but everything I see... A guy I know, Brian Horton, I'm trying to get him onto the show, um, worked on that, and he worked on the last Tomb Raider, Mm -hmm. and and, um, yeah, I'd love to get that guy in here. Uh, Olivia Newton-John is battling cancer for the third time. That sucks. And she says she's optimistic, um, but, yeah.
0: I've done it before. Twice. Yeah.
2: Uh, Paul Feige's female Ghostbusters sequel... Supposedly, if it had happened, was going to go global. So, like global franchises of the Ghostbusters. Okay. Sure. Uh, Fangoria is producing an all-female telling of Frankenstein,
0: because that needed to happen. I okay. That you know, I I'm not against this stuff. I just I'm just I, I'm against like the like. It feels, new like story, new story, new feels like stunt the casting. It feels like stunt casting. The Ghostbusters thing is a good example. It. It's like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like well, when you're the best, the best
2: you have to offer is that, and their are women. You don't got nothing. Right. You're just trying right. to make a. You're trying to revitalize a right. franchise and.
0: The Golden Girls stuff. as kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it,
2: well, I, I, I had a thread yesterday uh, about this Predator thing, about how you could add a, mo- a Predator to right. any movie. And it was amazing. Like, some of these things that people were coming up with, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I would totally watch that. Sure. So, like, I, I at one point I said, um, Black Hawk Down with a Predator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would watch that.
0: Well, and, and somebody, I can't remember who, somebody pointed out that, you know, like, if you think about... The first Predator movie, mm-hmm. it's basically Rambo. It is Rambo, with yeah. With Predator. Um, and Second film was. Um,
2: God damn it, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon with a. Bra-
0: yeah, exactly. Even yeah, had Danny Glover. Even in it. had
2: Danny Glover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just. W- and then, and at the time when that came out, by the way, greatest uh, blurb on a trailer. He's in town with a few days to kill. Yes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> fucking us. <laughs>
2: Let's see, Robert Robert Pattinson says he'd do another Twilight film at a moment's notice. Because he needs money. Yeah, because... Well, he's doing stuff like he did a Cronenberg film. He's doing these little art films. Yeah. Which is smart. It's what Daniel Radcliffe did to try to get the it, Harry Potter stink off sure, him. Sure, sure, sure. And it, sh- it makes him learn their craft. So, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe. Um, speaking of Rambo, Rambo 5 starts shooting, quote-unquote, soon, according to Stallone. Uh-huh.
0: Still sure. waiting for Rocky versus Rambo. That's the one I yeah. want to see. Have you seen... It,
2: speaking of that, have you seen there's a... If you go to YouTube, there's a Joe Rogan meets Roe Jogan. No. And someone went into all of these interviews <laughs> and cut them together so he is essentially interviewing himself. They're
0: talking to himself. Fucking
2: funny. <laughs> Henry Cavill is out as Superman. Or is he? Um, uh, I There's don't know. reports both ways. Uh, was weird,
0: uh, because... They they did okay. I mean, they did. Yeah, they're universally. I think he's a, think he's a better Superman than most of those dudes that have played agreed, Superman. Agreed.
2: There's some talk going around also
0: floating floating
2: about about John Hamm wanting to play Batman, and the fan artists are mashing up all these sure. things, and yes. they're they're pretty cool. I, yeah. I also saw one today where it was Mads Mikkelsen as Doctor Doom. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. totally into that. So yeah, um, I think Henry Cavill will be fine. Yeah, I think he's, uh, well, he's the new doing, he's Mission Impossible thing is it, yeah. huge and whatever. Yeah. Um, speaking of Superman, though, there was an internet rumor that the uh, the internet really wants a guy and, for Superman, and that guy is Michael B. Jordan, the guy who plays I- um, in Black Panther. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, that, that's not sure. going to happen. Yeah. I, know, while I appreciate hope. the desire for a a black Superman? Yeah. It's not going to happen. They're change. W- they change won't change that. it. It's too iconic. They won't. They won't. There's plenty of other properties. What do you
0: think about a uh, Bond? Other than the sure. fact that he's not English. Isn't he English? Is he English? Ooh, I think he is. Oh, English. maybe. I, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I would be
2: down for that. I mean, he looks like Bond. I wish he, you know, and if anything, we learn from this Mission Impossible movie that he can fight. Right. You know, he has that big, heavy style. I'm still style. pulling for,
0: for Idris Elba, though, yeah, Elba is Bond. Been, that would, would be, be so cool, yeah.
2: It would be the shit. Uh, Bloomhouse continues to co-opt your childhood by now going after Scream, and I know what you did last summer.
0: Stupid. Stupid. Dumb, dumb,
2: dumb, dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Bloom House, I don't get it. If you're so hurting for stories, I got a ton of them. Come Dude. Call me. There's, yeah, there's, there's so much other stuff you could be doing. Yeah. Uh, Derek Mears from Friday the 13th. Uh, he, was, he played yep. Jason, big yep. guy. Mm-hmm. Cast is uh, Swamp Thing in the DC streaming yep. show.
0: Sure.
2: Sure. I'm in. He's, he's I just want to see the design. He's I a big yeah, I do too. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. just
0: want to see the design. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: Dis- speaking of Black Panther, Disney is pushing Black Panther m- not for this most popular thing. They're pushing it for best picture and and best this and best you know not just even the technical uh, mis- con- what I call the miscongeniality awards, right? Um, but the big the big
0: the bigger five, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah.
2: Uh, let's see according to everybody American Gods is in
0: trouble. That's yeah that's too they, bad.
2: They've lost showrunners, they've fired people, the cast reportedly has no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah And that sucks. is a
2: damn shame. Yeah.
0: Cuz I didn't see the whole uh first series or first season but man what I saw was great. What I saw yeah everything I saw was great.
2: Uh Kevin Smith's recent weight loss has necessitated script re- re- rewrites on Jane's Silent Bob reboot cuz he's thin. Sure. Super skinny. So you he's can't lost do any more of that Yeah, you can't yeah. do lunchbox jokes. You right, can't right, do right. any of that stuff. Um although you can make you, you can right. reference it because Yeah, you used to it's be the fat. same characters. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, Richard Stanley says in the near future you're going to see The Color Out of Space.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about this. Um, One, I'm excited to see Richard Stanley doing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, it's a great story. Great story. Um, The only time that I've seen it handled well, there's a German movie called Die Farbe. Mm -hmm. um, And it's really good. Um, And, uh, you know, it it presents a problem because you, you have to show... It's a movie, so you have to show... Some kind of visual uh, visual representation of this color that you can't describe. Yeah. Right. And well, that's inherently the problem with Lovecraft, right? Right. Exactly. It's
2: always something so it's hideous so that you can't. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, the way that they did it in *Dyscarb* is that it's a black and white movie. And uh, the only thing in color is uh, this weird light. This weird. I like it. Light. That's very cool. And it and. Uh, um, That's thinking. Richard Stanley's going to be at the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Film, Film Festival. Festival coming up, and so you're going. I'm going, so I'm going I'm I'm to try. And if we'll only see. we can
2: get our hands on Richard Stanley. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad is being cast in Westworld. Ticking some of these off. Cool. Because I think they they hate they hate money. Netflix has said they're going to they're talking about adding commercials to their content.
0: Yeah, um, fuck you. I saw a uh I saw a thing that that after they had been talking about it where somebody else basically did some Math and said, "You guys are going to lose so many subscribers okay. if you do this." I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think it's going to. The
2: article I read was saying that Netflix would hemorrhage losers. Yeah, I mean, users, yeah, yeah, losers, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's losers, hemorrhage. Losers.
2: <laughs> Whoa! Uh, <laughs> South Park creators have launched a campaign to cancel South Park.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they're serious. Ah, or if is <laughs> awesome. It's all. Almo-
2: I can just hear them saying, "Please take this
0: away from yeah. us. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to be doing this until we're old and feeble." They're like. We don't want to be the Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: just imagine... Have you ever seen seen that? Six six, Days? Yeah. Yeah, fucking amazing. so I could just imagine that conversation just Trey in his office going, I fucking hate this show. Uh, New Tom Waits kind of single. It's a Mark Rebote. The song's called Bella Chow, but it's sung by... Tom Waits.
0: Oh, is it? Is it the Bela Ciao? Bela Ciao. Bela No, Chow,
2: Chow. no, it's really slow. Oh wow. It may be, and he just
0: slowed it down. Maybe
2: that's yeah. a great song. Uh, this will mean nothing to you, but there may be an Alan Wake TV series. Alan Wake is a sort of video game where you—it's very Stephen King, where a guy, his family, just, it's kind of Silent Hill. Very okay. dark and you see mostly by flashlight. Okay. I don't know how they're gonna make it into a series, but there you go. Uh production has started um Cassie Lemons, who directed Eve's Bayou, has started production on a Harriet Tubman biopic. No, oh, cool. I'm that's I'm in, cool. Yeah. Totally and uh Zachary Quinto has been cast in AMC's adaptation of Joe Hill's Nosferatu. Wow. Yeah, that... I'm excited more that they're they're just fucking making it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zachary Quinto's fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're getting there
0: almost to the end here.
2: AMC says it has plans for the next
0: decade of Walking Dead. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like you had plans oh. in
0: 2010
2: when you started this fiasco. Right. Alright. <coughs> Venom will be rated PG-13, the Tom Hardy movie. Yeah. That's uh, but there's an R-rated version that will be available on maybe available on home video. Sure. I get it. They're 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 citing its its proximity to the Spider-Man universe. Right. So, but I just ugh. But I don't think you come to Venom. You come to Venom for him biting people's heads off. Yeah. And exactly. all that that entails. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's the only reason that I, I paid any attention, you know, because I'm not a comics book guy, but whenever I saw Venom and Carnage, yeah. I was like, whoa. No, they just is, look it like is, they're going to
2: kick some ass. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so this is the thing Return of the Killer Shrews. Really? Yeah. Okay. It looks super low budget, it looks really terrible, but I love The Killer Shrews.
0: I, I, oh, the Killer Shrews is great. Um, I love that movie. Uh, I have to wonder if they're doing it as a comedy, like almost doing a, a uh,
2: to, uh, Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. Mil- yeah, P- yeah Ever yeah, seen yeah. the Milpitas Monster? Yes. Yeah, like. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is exciting! In October for Halloween, the 4K Night of the Living Dead is coming to theaters.
0: Yeah. That's gonna be I'm cool. going.
2: Yeah. Speaking of Night of the Living Dead, coming up, we got a guy, John Scolari,'s coming on. He's got a new book coming out on the big anniversary, 50th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead, where he talks to everybody. And John does some of the best uh he did this three volume Art of Tomb Raider book. He did the right. Ralph McQuarrie book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're fucking amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to have him on, to come talk about that. Um this is apropos nothing. On the internet, I saw that they have two things. One, a human-sized sloth costume that Okay. You, that you can get. I don't know why, but I've found that. Well,
0: late. you know, the internet has made sloths popular. Yeah, it, and that's the weird. thing. Isn't it's it got weird how, like, some, like, I know. it's like... <laughs> people who have, would have never even known what a sloth is are like...
2: I
4: love Sponge. I love <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And the other thing was, uh, totally not safe for work, but this this
0: dr- Dragon, some company that makes... Well, there's, there's a couple different companies. And um, so, uh, uh, Bad Dragon. Bad Dragon. Bad Dragon makes... Um, they make sex toys. Fantasy-themed sex toys. So yeah. we're talking dildos that are... Ch- Shaped like weird, like dragons. Let me put you this way: I
2: showed that site to Paul Komoda. Yeah, and he goes, "I'm in the wrong business."
0: Yeah, well, I—I <laughs> I mean, these guys have been around for a long time, and, and 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 there's this other company in the name of which I don't remember. When you posted that uh, a, a really great article with the guy, where oh, it, the Ovipositor. Yes, they're 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 speaking to kind of um xenophilia yeah uh, which is a, a, a sexual attraction to the it, xenomorph the from, ovipositor from
2: it's a dildo that impregnate it it, it lets loose eggs yes, inside an, it, the an, person an, an
0: egg that gets deposited inside the egg is is kind of made out of this gelatin type substance so should you choose to, you can leave the egg in, and mm-hmm. it'll just melt and go End of away. Work. Yeah, um, wild though. Yeah, wild. Yeah. And
2: and and I uh, immediately was saying, I think I said it to you. I think you said it to me, and then I said it up, I was saying to Paul, so I go, I know so many artists that would crush this yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. So look that stuff up. It's very yeah. interesting. Very if for nothing, just sh- you can show it to a coworker and yeah. watch their head go to the side like the RCA dog. <laughs> Uh, moving on to trailers. Uh, good, good collection this week. I think so. Um, starting off, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Man. Cohen Brothers, James Franco, Liam Neeson. It's a comedy, it's a six-story anthology, western, all featuring this character, Buster Scruggs.
0: Sign me up.
2: Yeah, it looks yeah, it, good. It, this looks fantastic. It looks like a comedic, almost true grit kind of a thing. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, and, and it speaks to this idea of, like, um... Uh, you know uh, stories and legends, and how how important the um, the characters are in those to our daily lives, and <laughs> and how it, it and how we translate that. And it's it is classic Coen Brothers. Yeah. I mean, it's just it looks great. It's
2: just a wash in this tale of the tall tale.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, you
2: know, it's the guy. And it's I, the I, and, and, what's I, the guy? The cowboy that used to lasso. Tornadoes and all that shit. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, it looks great. Paul Bunyan. I'm all over yeah, I mean, this man, I'm in. Next up, uh, Big Blue Sea. Autistic girl goes on an adventure. She's got a clownfish, and she wants to return Nemo.
0: Right. She she's autistic. Essentially. She. Um, it's Chinese. It's a. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, and uh, she she. Gets it in her head. She's going to go out into the ocean and release this fish. And she's learned about the fish, so she knows she can't just go down to the edge of the ocean and let it go. She has to go out to a certain depth, mm-hmm. and it becomes this whole big thing. And then things happen to her while she's out there. Yeah. Her, her kayaks go away. She gets stranded. She has it's, a whole adventure. It's a whole adventure, yeah. yeah. This looks really cool. It looks really cool. Yeah,
2: yeah I was, I'm way into this one. Uh, Next up, uh, this is a documentary that is defined in its title. The Bill Murray Stories, Life Lessons from a Mythical Man. Somebody went around and collected cell phone footage of shit like Bill Murray just showing up at a wedding. Yeah. Or showing up at a kids party, or yeah. showing up at a softball there's game. There's been a
0: few. There's been a few guys that have been kind of doing this the last few years, but Tom none, Hanks. none more so than Bill Murray. Yeah. Bill Murray like makes a regular thing out of it, where he just like randomly shows up at people's parties, or you know. And so it looks like this filmmaker has gone around and collected all these stories. Uh, and it
2: looks great. Yeah, it yeah. looks great. Yeah, just because it's one of those things
0: where it's like. He's Bill Murray, so
2: he he shows up, and immediately people are like, oh, shit. And then he kind of takes over and kind of yeah. like joins in on everything. Yeah. I want to see this so bad. Yeah, this looks and great. It looks it's great. Up next, um, an Australian noir called Burning Kiss.
0: Um, yeah, it's, you know, like a lot of this stuff. Psychological thrillers and and, and modern war films. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what's going on mm-hmm. um, from the trailer. Um, it looks cool. Kind of reminded me of like Blood Simple in a weird way. Yeah, right? the, I mean the imagery is is very cool. Yeah. And
2: yeah. again, what I always love is to see any we're gonna call it like a subgenre pass through a lens of in this case Australia. Right. I love that. You know, look at what happened.
0: Because you get a completely different take on it. Right, 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 right. Uh,
2: Up next, um, Vera Farmiga, John Goodman, and Alan Ruck. uh, Captive state. Aliens took our world, and we're taking it back.
0: Um, So, from the trailer, it it presents this utopian future. Mm -hmm. Crime is non-existent. Um, the unemployment is down everything is fantastic, but of course, as with all utopias, everything isn't fantastic it's all of uh, the near and you kind of realize at the end of the trailer that the new legislature, the new our new overlords that are providing us with this utopia, are aliens, yeah. and they may not have our best interests at heart.
2: Agreed. My One of my, the main reasons I included this was, I think the trailer's fine, and I think the show is fine. Mm. One of the reasons I included it was, is it just me, or has there been a lot of alien, us taking a, uh, it back from aliens, alien visiting, sure. all of that stuff? Oh, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. always been there, but it just seems like there's more of them now.
0: Yeah, well, you know. We're, we're trying to make America great again so <laughs> yeah. it's all about Space Force uh,
2: next up produced by L um, produced by uh, Pedro Motivar. Yeah. it's called L Angel um, kid gets indoctrinated into the world of crime yeah um, looks cool well, city of Gaudi yeah very um, city of Gaudi uh, yeah, see yeah. what
4: I did there it
2: was funny no go ahead
0: um, I, I think it looks perfectly serviceable. I there's nothing in it that makes me go, God, I gotta see this. Yeah, um, a little
2: gritty, you know, a little like I say, it, it it's yeah. again, it's a crime story told through this other
0: right. It's a lens. you know this the, there's this young kid. He's kind of baby faced mm-hmm. and. There are certain expectations, you know, uh, put on him, and he's defying those expectations by becoming this criminal. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. A next step documentary
0: called "Fuck You All: The Uwe Boll Story." I totally want to see this. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that that there are people who, in one breath, you know, they'll say, you know, oh, he's a fucking asshole, and I hate yeah. him but I respect him. Yeah. You know, and it's like... The, what, I, what struck me in this was the... the
2: beaten way, like, his partners were talking. Like, yeah, well... Yeah.
0: <laughs> what, uh, what are you going to do? Like, uh, you know? Yeah. And and they speak to the fact that he is Uwe Boll, and he's got this reputation, and he still gets people to be in his movies. Like, how Big did people. that happen? You know, yeah. you know,
2: they're, they're past their prime. Yeah. Like, if you ever... Uh... The Dragon movie he did with, with that Burt Reynolds was there. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Um. I'm, I I'm down. Yeah. Uh,
0: anyway. It it reminds me of like that documentary about uh, Ginger Baker. Yeah. Where it's just like he's just like he's a prick. He's just a prick. He's just yeah, like yeah, you know yeah, fuck yeah. you all. <laughs> and it's like yeah. punching cameras and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
2: gotta respect him in, in, in some way. Yeah, yeah. But there we go. Up next, a uh, sunken submarine tale with Colin Firth called Kursk. Looks Scandinavian made. Uh, I think this is a big deal in whatever country. You know, like it was a I, big uh, news
0: story. I, well, I was gonna say, I think this is a true story. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a submarine. Something goes wrong. The submarine's stranded. And, and it seems like the government or the military or whoever is kind of writing them off.
2: They fuck it up. They and fuck the entire thing up. And yeah.
0: In the meantime, they're down there and and
2: trying to survive the families are also the families being families are all like,
0: look, let's go save them. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. we can do it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can't imagine. No. That kind of shit. It's like those don't I ain't getting on no submarines, It's like those
2: kids, the the ones in Thailand that were in the cave. In the cave. Yeah. Dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not doing any of that. Any yet. of that.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next, documentary called Maria by Callas Documentary on Maria Callas Yeah,
0: that's this is really cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's just there's so much footage of Maria Callas that I didn't realize was out there. Yeah, uh, 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 not of her singing, but of her uh interviews and things and, and, and uh I just didn't realize.
2: Well that's the great part where we're at right now is that we're at a point now where the people who are being like lionized in documentaries right were at a point where there were cameras and people were yeah. it wasn't like Leonardo da Vinci, it's like, right. no, here's Maria Callas like talking there's this,
0: shit. There's this new Jack Pierce documentary coming out and I'm, i I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But I know it's gonna be photographs and talking heads, because nobody was walking around.
2: But if they were to do one on Rick Baker... Right, exactly. There should be all kinds of shit. Uh, Up next, this is uh, directed by Tamara Jenkins, who did Slums of Beverly Hills. It's called Private Life. Catherine Hahn from Transparent and Paul Giamatti want a kid. And they're like kind of young urban professionals. Maybe not so young urban professionals.
0: Yeah, they're they're trying to to have a a baby. Mm -hmm. They're past the prime of of having a baby, and they're they're doing all kinds of different things to try to to try to have a baby. And this young person, I think a niece or somebody, comes into their life. And um, it, it, this is very much a, a, a character driven piece, mm-hmm. um, and and it looks it looks great. Looks great,
2: yeah. It looks like guaranteed at the end you're going to cry. Yeah, but.
0: Yeah, a lot of, of acting,
2: acting going on a here. lot of acting yes. just Paul Giamatti being a badass in anything Yeah. you know that guy uh, up next a documentary on public image called The Public Image is Rotten
0: I am this in this looks great this looks great yeah we've, I, we've we've heard so much about the Sex Pistols yeah. um, I, I think I think it's it's fantastic that we're taking a look at, at PIL yeah. and I think
2: it's also fascinating to see the kind of John Lydon's realization like this is a real band, and they really like us. Yeah, and that's kind of for a guy that was always like, you he was know, he was part of this manufactured band, and and so yeah, and known world, for not knowing how to be musicians, right? You know, yeah, uh, yeah I'm totally in. And then finally, a uh, horror western called The Wind. Um, looks like a woman is on the prairie alone. Yeah, and there's something about this wind. There, it brings monsters or something.
0: There is. So there's there's the the part about just being a woman alone on the prairie, mm-hmm. and then there seems to be some supernatural element going on. It, it it does what a good trailer does, is it it leaves you wanting to know what's going on. I'm hopeful that
2: the the monster in this mm-hmm. is the wind, because I think that I love. It's like the last week we talked about that movie, The Boat. Yeah, and um, uh, I love the idea of like when you hear someone's pitch on something like this, it's like I never thought of that, but it's such a good idea.
0: There is a great short story called, I believe, "The Wind," and and I can't remember it's it's either Ray Bradbury or Richard Matheson, one of those guys. Yeah, and the and the idea is is that uh, he keeps hearing these voices and things in the wind and he, and he's like freaking out and he's calling his friends it's like dude it's like a hundred miles an hour outside of course it's not happening anywhere else other than this guy's house so they kind of think he's going off the deep end uh-huh. and at the end of the story they go to his house and his house is obliterated by the wind and he's gone oh wow it's it's pretty cool
2: yeah yeah I love it I love anything where you go huh yeah I did not see that coming. Uh, but yeah, good week. I was I was pleased yeah, with these, most yeah, of these. these. We're all good. Uh, what have you been watching? Um But it's the same thing I've been watching. <laughs>
0: uh no, actually no? Okay. no. I watched the first three episodes of Mr. Mercedes. Yes. Um really good. Awesome. Really, really good. Really, really slow. Really slow. if you're not in the right mood, it is not and, and it it's also it's heavy, dude. It's like man, that for something that's on television. The level of violence in that wow. opening scene, holy crap! Wow, and uh, and then there's scenes where like there there's like this the subplot between this mother and son, and there's masturbation and stuff in it, and and they're not shying away. It's like it's all right there. Wow, and uh, 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 the main actor Gleason, yeah, um, yeah man. Nail, great actor. So good. He was so in good. things
2: like Bruges, and yeah. a bunch of other yeah. shit. He's just a great actor. He was, yeah, he,
0: he's.
2: I want to say Patrick Lee. He's firing something? on
0: yeah. all cylinders, guys. Okay. Yeah. Um I watched that.
2: He, I, by the way, one last thing. He did a movie with Don Cheadle where there are cops in England. Yeah,
0: awesome. Yeah. I forget
2: the name of it. Just look him up on. It. It's fucking amazing. That, Go ahead.
0: Good. Uh, I watched a documentary called Doomed. Mm-hmm. Which is the making of the infamous Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie? Oh wow, so good!
2: Wow,
4: so good!
0: And it's it's so cool to 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 listen to all these people who th- they all thought that they were like, man, we're making this, this we're making the fucking fantastic. <laughs> great interviews with John Bullock <laughs> on yeah? there. Oh good, the, the, uh, I, to this day. Regardless of what people say about that movie, that's the best Ben Grimm thing yeah. that has ever been put. They've the all it, yeah, yeah. It's it, it so good. His is his is, is is so good. Well, I mean, you get the whole story of how, like, you know, before they were even out of the gate, the the, the company was like, nah, this, "This isn't gonna, we're, we're shoving this before it even yeah, happens." That's you know? too bad. So you're not gonna get the money that you need. You're not gonna get anything. Yeah. All the actors are like they were all in and. It's a really good documentary. Wow! wow. Um, I also watched, uh and
2: that's such a great story too—the the the love story that Ben Grimm goes through. Yeah, so I think second the one that gets me. And, and by the way, they just cast uh, Don was it Donna Freeze, but Mrs. Freeze, the 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 Mister Freeze story, the backstory that they did on Batman the animated series about how his wife is sick and he keeps her on ice to try to find her and it's just
0: right, right. so tragic. Right. Kind of like uh, the Ben Grimm thing. Uh, reminds is reminds me uh, of uh, uh, Dr. Fives. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I watched a documentary called Long Live the King um, which is a uh, it's a King Kong documentary. Uh, nothing new here. Uh, it's just lots of Hollywood people talking about how much they love King Kong. Right. King Kong fans would love this. Um,
2: I just saw some footage from this, from test footage they were doing on this King Kong run in New York. Yeah. This big, giant Kong marionette. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. It's fucking cool. Yeah,
0: it's very cool.
2: It's really cool. And they have, like, guys that are part on the stage, I guess, like, Japanese puppet drama. They're moving things around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, Wow.
0: So that's what I've been watching.
2: Right on. Um, I am been watching nothing but film in prep for our show next week. Yeah. Um, well, you I'm are going to a wedding or a wedding next 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 weekend? No, I'm
0: going to a concert. So going to a concert. I'm Who going are you go to a concert. Uh, Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly. Nice. <laughs> so we're we're going to my birthday. That's so nah, so fucking like, rad.
2: Yeah. Uh, so we're going to record a couple of days earlier yeah. So uh, I've been watching In preparation for that episode Me and you talking about the Razor Hanzo movies Yeah. the Hanzo the Razor, Hanzo movie. The Razor. I'm not going to say anything because I got lots of thoughts <laughs> But I'm having a blast My wife on the other hand Does not enjoy <laughs> these films at all but we'll we'll talk about them in great length we,
0: on the next show. You, if you listened to the, uh, the uh, Shogun Assassin episode, yeah. we, we mentioned them a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
2: we're I'm, we're diving deep. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. I'm making notes and just it's fucking funny. It's,
0: it's insane.
2: Um, what are you reading? Uh nothing. I picked up Catherine Dunn's Geek of Love. Um, again, I yeah. haven't read it forever, and it's it's such an odd,
0: beautifully written. That's book. That's a book that is screaming to be made into a movie.
2: I you know what? I think by making it into a movie, unless it was in someone's ha- the right person's hands mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you'd fuck it up. I think you'd really fuck it up because so much of it is the is the intricacies of the way she's describing things and she's such a beautiful writer it's, that it's a good And it's book, such yeah. an odd tale. I mean it is. at no point do you go, I know where this is going. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that's cool. Uh listening to anything, we'll get out of here.
0: Uh No, Uh, pretty much any any of my spare time has been watching something this week, which is unusual for me. I usually but that's awesome to watch. That's always fun to do. Uh, I've
2: been doing a lot of stuff in the office. Um, I I wrote two stories last week, and I'm very stoked about that. Yeah. So consequently, I'm listening to a lot of stuff. I dove deep into what I'm going to call the mid-range Prince records around the time that after he had he was doing stuff on his own, things like. Lotus Flower and C Note are these records, and they're they've been fascinating because they're they're Prince knowing that I mean not giving a fuck and just doing like twelve minute jazz songs and sure. they're fucking amazing. Um, discovered a guy named Tim Maya who is uh, um, I don't know where he's from, but it's great stuff in that um uh very soulful but sung in portuguese moving on night sky soundtrack was fine two disappointments this week paul simon has a new record out called in the blue light and it's terrible paul mccartney has a record out called egypt station and it's terrible discovered a band called chicano batman and they're they're awesome i'm a big chicano batman fan now their their style is very weird it's kind of retro but just the name, John of
0: Batman. It it invokes a particular sound.
2: Um, score to the Predator, file under generic soundtrack music. There was a record that Dio did called Angry Machines. Yeah, I'd never heard. It's terrible. Uh, there's a new Richard Thompson called Thirteen Rivers, and if you like Richard Thompson or like Dire Straits or that kind of, you know, picky guitar, sure, you'll love that. There's a new Ann Wilson record. From Heart, yeah, called Immortal, and it's terrible. It's almost like she showed up at a bar and there was a band playing, and they said, "Hey, it's Ann Wilson from Heart. Ann, come up and sing cover songs." And she gets up, and they
0: recorded it, and yeah. there's the record. Yeah. So
2: after this, I learned that I guess Ann and Nancy Wilson hate each other. Yeah, now.
0: they haven't. They haven't been together for a while
2: now. Which is such a shame. Yeah. Because you can imagine just, just this casino circuit. They're
0: each basically. doing their own thing. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I don't know. Anne is one of the greatest voices in rock. I just see her slumming like Nancy this. is a
0: hell of a guitar player.
2: Yeah. Well, she's living on She was married to Chris Columbus, right? The director? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple more and I'll get us out of here. Uh, the highlight of the week was a record called Celestial Aeon Project. The record's called Ghost Story. And then I found this thing called Go to YouTube and, and just type in the name Claudia Hirschfeld H I R S C H F E L D. She's a organist, but in the like in the way of like uh, like roller skate rink organists, uh-huh. triple level um, organ, and she plays it's schmaltzy as fuck, but it's amazing because you see her feet are doing this right playing the bass melody line yeah yeah one hands and she's flipping stuff very cool very weird in a weird sort of like you'd expect to see her on like Merv Griffin or something sure but um yeah weird and odd but fun cool awesome We're done. All right. So, uh, again, next week, me, you, Hanzo the Razor. Yes. Um, October is booked. November is booked. December has a couple openings. We're booking into January now. Yep. And we got some
0: some good stuff. Some good stuff coming.
2: Um, Go to our Facebook page, please. Give us a like. Uh, Go to our Patreon page if you can. Uh, Throw us a buck if you can. Um, We're going to be more diligent in the next little bit about putting stuff onto that page. Um... And we're good. All right. Thanks again to uh, Shauna Gore for coming on. She is awesome. For
0: the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.
4: So what? It did.